welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. I'm delighted to be here, I can tell you that. You know, I appreciate Brandon Stone. We'll pass around some kind words. Uh, I think the first time I heard him preach, he preached a youth rally in our church. Wasn't it? And I said, God's got his hand on it, man. I believe that with all my heart, see. And he preached when he came down to present the ministry here at our church. Just another good message. I said, God's got a hand on that man to preach. And I believe he has. And I wonder, it's a wonderful thing you have here. God's done a good thing for you. It's a great thing. It's a blessing. Uh, this is anniversary time. And so it's also anniversary for the King James Bible. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Is that all right? Or today is afternoon. Okay. Let's open our Bibles, if we will, please, to the book of 2 Timothy, pastoral epistle here, and uh, reading in verse uh, chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, and hast been assured, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scripture to be able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now let's pray and ask God to help us today. Father, we thank you now for the privilege to be here in this church that you've raised up in this place and how we thank you for it. Thank you for Brandon. Thank you for these dear folks that have gathered together and bound their hearts together to raise up a testimony here for Jesus Christ, our Savior. And thank you for what you've done and what you're doing, dear Father, and what you're going to do in this ministry. Help us in our thoughts we share today, and we'll thank you for your mercy to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The King James Bible. Uh, this book is the book of books. No question about that at all. Isaac Taylor once said that uh, the Bible has survived three great dangers. Number one, the negligence of its friends. Number two, the false systems built upon it. And number three, the efforts to destroy it by its enemies, but it's a survivor. The word of God stands and it survives. Now, this is an independent Baptist church here, and true Baptists have always held tenaciously to the fact that the only true and faithful rule for practice and for preaching and for doctrine is the word of God. That's it. We stop it right there. Now, we must take it clear when we speak of Baptists, we're not speaking of the convention. We had Baptists around long before there was a convention. Baptists are people that say they believe exactly what this book teaches. They preach it, they live by it, and they die by it. Now, as we think about this book today, as we think about these 400 years it's been in, uh, it's in existence or been available to us uh, in the language and and we think about that, Dan, and you know, uh, I have a Bible down to church that belongs to me. It was given to me by a Jewish man. He was born to a Brazilian actress, an illegitimate child, and was adopted by the man known to uh, the Harvison uh, Walker brick plant down at Elkton. And uh, he was a Jewish fellow, and uh, he went to Princeton University of all places and got saved. And uh, he got saved, and he came out, and he wanted to, wanted to witness to the Jews. 
And he just traveled. They put him on a trust fund. The brick company did. The, the man uh, adopted him. Put him on a fund. Just He just traveled around on trust fund and with his Jews everywhere he went. And he was like a pack rat. He gathered up stuff everywhere he went. He come to me one day. I, I established a friendship with him, you know. And this is a lost car I wanted to talk with you. But he came to me one day and he said, uh, have you got a place where I can store some stuff? I said, he didn't have a home. He just traveled around, you know, and uh, he'd stay and people, some people buy, build a room on for him. He'd stay like a possible fall coming by, you know, and he, uh, wherever the Jews were, where he'd be there witnessing, you know, and he'd get stopped and waste his face in the prick, you know, broke an old car around. And he come by and said, uh, you got a room where I can store some stuff? I said, well, we'll see. I don't know. So I had a room, give him a room, a good sized room, and man, he had it filled to the ceiling. And uh, one day he had a heart attack. And somebody told me about it, and I he, I never knew where it was. He just like a, a vagabond, you know. And uh, so he uh, got over the heart attack, and he came by and told me about it. I said, well, I didn't know you had a heart attack. Couldn't even pray for you. So uh, he had a heart attack a second time, and he died. So a man came to me and asked me if I could get a place where he could bury him. So a little Nazarene church outside of town, they had a graveyard there. and said, yeah, we'll give you a spot. So we took him out there and buried him. So a man come to me, and he said, you know, so I got 9,000 books over there in my second-hand store in New Jersey, Bridgeton, New Jersey. He wants you to have them. So we was hauling books back and forth, you know, to the library of the church. And then it was a Coverdale Bible. Printed in 1551. Complete Coverdale Bible. So I had a man in the church that had a Bible uh, display. You remember who was there? He was there then, yeah. And uh, he, uh, I told him about this Coverdale Bible. He said, I'd like to see that. So I took him downstairs and showed it to him, you know. And he said, that is a very, very valuable Bible. I said, why do you say that? He said, because that's a Bugs Bible. Did you know that? Bible? He said, that's a Bugs Bible. I said, a Bugs Bible? He said, yes. And when they printed that Bible in Psalm 95, they made a mistake. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terrors by night. And put in there, thou shalt be afraid of the bugs by night. And we looked at it, and there it was. He said, there's probably only several handfuls of those Bibles ever been printed. He said, because they pulled them all in, they could when they made a mistake and, and corrected them, see. So I got a bugs Bible, a Coverdale. I'm talking about the King James, all right? Now, I'm talking about the King James. I want to know several things about it. First of all, the definitive terms concerning this Bible. Number one, plenary is the language. That means the Bible is fully, equally inspired. It does not merely contain the Word of God, but it is the Word of God. Okay? Number two, verbal inspiration means that the Holy Scripture so carefully superintended the inspiration of the Scriptures that he controlled the men whom he used not only as to ideas, but the very words, and he used the style and vocabulary of those men in such a way as not mechanical dictation. Remember that. Number three, inspiration means that the scripture was literally God-breathed. That's what it means. God-breathed. And the Bible says uh, in 2 Peter 1.21, they were literally moved along by the breath of God. Turn that passage, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Turn there for just a minute. The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were at notice, moved by the Holy Ghost. That is a nautical term. Those boats were moved, those ships were moved by sails. And the sails were worthless without the wind. And the wind's a type of the Holy Spirit. 
And so the Bible tells us they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so it talks about the inspiration. God breathed, you see. And Baptists also believe in the inerrancy and the preservation of the Word of God. So we believe we have here what we call God's infinitely holy, infallible Word. It's right here in the King James Bible. Right here it is. Now, uh, does it seem to be consistent that back in all these years back uh, that they had the original autographs, and we don't have them today, but that God would allow us to be people that live without the Word of God? No, it doesn't seem consistent with me, because God gave His Son to die for my sins, so He wants me to know about that. And so God's given us a fair and a wonderful and a perfect translation right here. This is it, the King James Bible. That's it. Now, uh, another thing about the Bible is the display of its uniqueness. It's perfect unity. This book was written by 40 different men. And over a period of 16 centuries in three different languages. Uh, Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. And among these men were prophets, priests, kings, doctors, statesmen, legislators, fishermen, writing on ethics, writing on prophecy, history, theology, morality, poetry, and all. And the whole body converging on one focal point with no conflict whatsoever. And out of it comes a great message of God's redemption for the souls of fallen men and women. Now, another thing is seen as peculiar adaptability. It began in the infancy of the human race, and over 1,900 years has passed since that last contribution made to it. Though it's oriental in origin, it meets the spiritual need of every people, nation, tongue, kindred, wherever it preaches, uh, touches the lives of human beings, and books on science, electronics, on med medicine, on all these things become obsolete, need to be rewritten. This never be rewritten. It still meets the need. It's still the message. It's still divine. It's still heart-searching. Another thing because of its perpetual survival, the average life of a book is 20 years. Very few books exist 100 years. A small handful exists 200 years. I happen to have a 200-year commentary. And it was written, uh, it was printed years ago. And of course, 200 years old is 200 years old. A preacher friend gave it to me on my anniversary one year. But now here's a book that rises above the ruins of history and it's, con it's, con it's completely what it always was be. It's never changed. All these other books are changing. Uh, literature changes all the time. This never changes. The word of God forever settled in heaven, the Bible tells us. Now, uh, men have tried to destroy it. Uh, Tom Paine, you remember Tom Paine who wrote The Age of Reason? He told a fellow one time, he said, I give a hundred years, hundred worlds if I could give it. Never published that book. But he wrote that book, The Age of Reason. And of course, he said, uh, 50 years after I'm gone, he said, uh, the Bible is going to be obsolete. When he died on the printing press on which he printed The Age of Reason, they printed Bibles. Amazing. Bob Ingersoll, one of the very vocal uh, humanists and uh, atheists in our world some years ago, he said uh, he's going to put the Bible out of business. When he died, uh, Bob Gary wrote the International Sunday School. That's on his desk. David Hume, who was a Scottish uh, humanist and an atheist, said 
Methinks I see the uh, twilight of Christianity. And in the room where he died, in his home in Edinburgh, Scotland, they formed the Edinburgh Bible Society. Some years ago, I was over in Edinburgh for the World Congress of Fundamentalists. And one day, uh, I had read a book about Hume. They said that when he died, they buried him out in the graveyard there, and they couldn't keep the snakes out of his grave. The caretaker of the graveyard had to go by and kill the snakes every once in a while in his grave, you know. And I was over there in Scotland for the World Congress of Fundamentalists. I had 2,200 preachers over there from around the world. And I was staying at the British Hotel. One day they had an afternoon off. So I said, I'm going to walk up. They had up to the end of the road, they had a tower. And every day at 1 o'clock, there was a ball would go up a stem, up the top of that stem, but just hang up there for about 15 minutes and then come back down. I said, I'm going to walk up there and see what makes that thing go up there and come back down. So it took me through a graveyard. And I walked through the graveyard, and what attracted my attention was a great big brass, shiny brass statue of Abraham Lincoln sitting on a chain, uh, on a chair. And I got fascinated with that, and I turned around and looked, and there was David Hume's grave right there. But there wasn't no snakes. So I guess God just tried to fool his corpse. Well, these guys, they said, uh, you know, the Bible, you can't trust. So these guys, look at this. Let me tell you something about this book. Because of its contents, is it's God's word. Here only can we find the answer to the sin question. There's no place else in the world you find the answer to the sin question but in the word of God. Also, it's a place where we find the substitutionary character of the death of Jesus Christ. He shed, shed blood on the cross of Calvary to take away our sin. We find the truth of the new birth. Oh, we need to emphasize that very strongly. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Very clear. And that's the message that still needs to be pronounced today as never before. It emphasizes this unique work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that works in and through men and through the message, through the Word of God, uh, to convict and to convert and to develop lives for Jesus Christ. Not only that, but uh, it uh, speaks of the marvels of God's matchless grace, mystery of life after death, the miracle of the atonement of Christ's blood, and uh, the blood of atonement, of course, uh, that's the message we need to preach today as never before. Now, another thing about it is because it's uh, prophetic accuracy. This book is totally accurate when it comes to pro prophecy. It's like history written beforehand, you see. And, of course, uh, it's like a giant telescope sweeping from one horizon of humanity to another, civilization to the end of civilization. Uh, and, of course, it's been unfolding in the Scripture for us for years. In 606 B.C., it prophesied the uh, Babylonian Empire, the empire of, the, of gold, you see. In uh, 536 B.C., it prophesied the silver empire. That was uh, the Persian Empire. And then, of course, in uh, 50, uh, 351 B.C., it was the Greek Empire, brass. And uh, then Babylon, uh, they, uh, I mean, Rome, the Rome, 63 B.C. And, of course, uh, because of the preserving character, uh, persevering, persevering character of, of Israel, uh, the Bible gives a very clear account of that. Now, a, a German uh, encyclopedia written in this generation said that uh, in a hundred years, the Jewish race would disappear. What a foolish statement to make. The foolish race is indestructible. They're here to stay, you see. And of course, uh, Ramesses wrote 3,300 years ago, he said, uh, I see the end of Israel. It's annihilated. Still here. He says, Israel have no posterity. They're still here. And by the way, uh, 
Obama found that out when he talked to Netanyahu a while back. And Netanyahu, and Obama said he got to pull back that 1967 boundary and give, the, give away the Palestinians. He he messed with the wrong man when he messed with uh, Netanyahu. I can tell you that right now. He was educated in America. And he's a man with the convictions. He's not movable. Even Obama couldn't move, shake him. Well, uh, Ramesses, he said, uh, uh, all these people said he's not going to last. Hitler, he'd, he'd wipe him out, you know. Ramesses, uh, Eichmann, uh, Pharaoh, all of them said that. Dachau, Buchenwald, Auschwitz, the gas ovens, Israel's still here. You know, uh, World War One was fought for one particular reason. To prepare the land of Israel for the return of the people. In World War One, General Allenby, who was a born-again general, commander of the British Expeditionary Forces, was commissioned to go and take Jerusalem. And he took his forces to Jerusalem and he stopped outside the city and got on his knees and prayed and asked God him to help him take that place without firing a shot. And he did. He took that place without firing a shot. And in the, in, the, in, the, in the results of that was he got the mandate to Palestine out of the hands of the Ottoman Empire and got it to the British Empire, who was sympathetic for the uh, reconstruction of the nation of Israel, which had not been a nation for over 2,000 years, see. 1948, they met out in San Francisco. I remember it well, it was yesterday. Met in San Francisco. David Ben-Gurion was there with a hastily formed uh, government. And they met with the United Nations. And the mandate was handed to Palestine, back to Palestine for the first time in 2,600 years. Israel became a nation again for the first time in 2,600 years. Think of that now. That's why World War I was fought. Uh, said, oh, no, it was Hitler. No, World War I was fought because God had a plan in mind there to restore his people. And... Uh, and World War II was fought to, to, to prepare the people for the land. 6,000 of them died, you know, in, in the gas ovens, was butchered, slaughtered by Israel, Russia, and others, suffered as no other people has ever suffered. And the, God put a desire in their heart to go back to Palestine. They started going back in droves, and you remember that. And they were restored. Israel is a testimony to the veracity and the absoluteness of the King James Bible. No question about that at all. Now, uh, and, and, and that was, I, I remember that time when they had that meeting in San Francisco. I remember that very well. But that's, that's exactly why World War I and World War II were fought. There was an underlying purpose of divine in there. Now, uh, the Declaration of the Message, what's this book all about? Well, number one, it's an edict that is authoritative. This book speaks with authority. He said, it is not my word like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Our days are day weak pulpits. Weak pulpits today. We need to get back to the message of this book. We need to preach it with power, with conviction, without fear, without fear, without apology. This book. It's an edict that's authoritative. Jesus taught the Bible says one having authority. The Bible tells us, Paul said, these things speak and exhort with all authority. Our pulpits need to ring with, thus saith the Lord. That's it. Secondly, not only is it an edict that's authoritative, but it's energizing its operation. 
It communicates life. That's what the Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's a life-giving message. It develops life. It said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not only that, but uh, it sustains life. He said uh, that uh, the bread of, it's the bread of life that sustains us, you see. It's, a, it's what meets the need of our spiritual lives. It's edifying in its influence. The Bible tells in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. The Bible says it's riching in his promise, his unfailing presence. He said, I'll be with you. Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Not only that, but uh, it's enabling in its power. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 that the power of the Holy Ghost comes to power. Jesus said, tarry Jerusalem, be do with power from on high. Made that very clear. Not only that, but uh, his certain perfection, he promised to perfect us. His abundant provision, his sure promises. It's establishing his doctrine. This book is a book of doctrine. I had a man call me the other day. When we come preaching a camp meeting, or was having some kind of a camp meeting, I guess they call it. He said, so we don't have no preaching in doctrine. I said, how do you preach without doctrine? What are you going to preach if you don't preach doctrine? This is a book of doctrine. The New Testament is, is, is just totally absurd with doctrine, absorbed with it. Doctrine. What does the Bible teach about the blood of Christ? What does the Bible teach about the authority of the Scriptures? What's the Bible preach about the inspiration of the Scripture? What's the Bible teach about being born again? What's the Bible teach about growing into grace and the knowledge of our Lord? This is all doctrine. That's what it is. How are you going to preach the Bible without preaching doctrine? He said to me, I want you, he said, you know, he said, uh, you're, I uh, want, he said, we've got a lot of young fellows come here. Well, I'll tell you what to do. They hoop and holler and run all week, is what it is, see? And he said, I've got a bunch of young fellows here. He said, I want an old preacher like you to come preach for me. He said, we don't preach no doctrine. I said, well, I can't come, but i got to preach doctrine. How are you going to preach without preaching doctrine? Don't make sense. So I didn't go. Wasn't interesting. Now, the Bible tells also this is what establishes you as a Christian in your Christian walk. First of all, the Bible teaches us uh, that uh, we're saved by the pure, free, unmerited, unlimited, unearned grace of God. We're saved that way. Not only that, but it's doctrine that establishes us in our Christian walk. We're justified by the grace of God. We grow by the grace of God. And we have victory by the grace of God. And the grace of God is the central message of the New Testament. Well, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. This book is exclusive in its commands. It says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as being saved until you come to Christ as a sinner or born again. And so uh, the word of God, uh, there's so much about it. It's a fascinating thing. It's I, I've been, if I live uh, till last Friday this month, I'll be saved 62 years. My wife and I both got saved the same night 62 years ago. And I immediately began to read the Bible and study the Bible. And the more I study the Bible, the more I know how little I know about it. It's a fascinating thing. You can study it and study it and study it, and you feel like you're saturated with it. And next time you pick it up, it's a brand new book to you. It's just like that. That's what makes this book very unique, you see. And that's what God has put this book in the world for, because it stands all by itself. There's no literature like it anywhere in the world. Nothing like it. 
books that have written, been written on various parts of science and development and wisdom and man's ideas come and go. This book stands exactly where it's been standing ever since God gave it through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit coming down to move upon men to write and to record what God has for us. Now, uh, so the King James Bible is, is, is the book. Now, the closure of this book as a canon. Let me say this. There are 66 books in all. There's 1,199 chapters. Every word of that given by divine inspiration. Every word of that absolutely God-breathed. There's no doubt about that at all. And the Bible gives very stern warning about tampering with the word of God. Now, when I came on the scene and started pastoring back in 1954, they had just come out with a thing called the Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And uh, then they came out with a thing to, called the Interpreter's Bible. And they were like companions. And they were endorsed by the Southern Baptist Convention. And, of course, they became, uh, all the liberals used them. And so uh, that came out at that time. Since that time, there's been 128 different versions of the Bible come out. 128 different versions. I uh, had one they were making just uh, uh, recently. I, I don't know if it come on the market yet, but I, I know I read definitely about it, uh, written for homosexuals. I can't imagine what that would be. That's what it's for, see. And so there's been all these various things come out. And I, I tell you, the Bible, when I read what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, it scares me to think about that. It says, uh, for I, I testify unto every man that heareth the words of prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy of this book, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, I don't want to fool with that. I want to, I want to stay away from that. That'll get you hurt somewhere along the line. Now, another thing, uh, the Bible gives very stern warning about that, and the Bible is an unchanging statute. It never changes. He said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I've got a copy of what's written in heaven right here. I've got a copy of that right here. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, he said, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, Neither shall he diminish aught from it, that you, if you, as you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, you hear talk of uh, extra-biblical revelation. That is of the devil. There is no extra-biblical revelation. What God has to say, God has said it. It's settled. That's it. Don't tamper with it. We also hear the term... Uh, uh, open revelation means that there are some things that God didn't say that he should have said. Everything God has to say, he said it in the King James Bible. From Genesis 1-1 to the last book of the Revelation, the uh, last uh, words of Revelation, God said it all. That's it. There's no part of anybody whatsoever that wasn't said that God didn't say. Everything God has to say, he says it in the Bible for us right here. And so we need uh, no addendum. God said it all, and it's sealed. Wherever thy word is settled, settled in heaven forever. And so the King James Bible is your main book here. 
That's your main book in this church. That's the main book in our church. That's the main book in, it, in any church that's worth its salt. Is the King James Bible. And this 400 year anniversary. Uh, in connection with your one year anniversary here. A wonderful start. I can tell you that right now. And God's going to do good things right here. I appreciate your pastor. And his wife. And his whole crowd there. This whole crowd, your, your whole crowd here. I appreciate all of them. A good crowd. Uh, Chet there. Chet's a good boy. God bless his heart. How's your daddy, Chess? Good. Uh, and I, I appreciate what you're doing here. And, uh, and it's my delight to be here tonight. It really is. And I, I thank God for your ministry. Now, you folks know what this man preaches. You know where he stands. He's true blue. He's transparent. He's genuine. And God will use him. And you rally around him. And you undergird him with your prayers. And your love. And your concern. And your full cooperation. Recognizing him as God's leader in this church. And I'll guarantee you. God's going to do good things. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the privilege of being here. I wanted to be here before this. But it never worked out. Uh, I'm getting older now. I don't get to get around as much as I used to. You know. I'm, I'm hoping I can retire here shortly. We've got a public committee down there looking for a man. And if, if you ever feel called to preach, you might check in with him down there. Uh, and uh, my wife and I haven't been on vacation since 1997, so we're going to take a vacation, and I'm going to do a little more bear hunting than I've been doing lately. And uh, I enjoy that, and deer hunting, so that I'm going to get back to that doing something. But it's been a delight to be here, and I appreciate Brandon. I really do. I I remember the first time I heard him preach down there in that youth rally. It was a good message. It had good content to it. And it was a message that uh, sp spoke to my heart. I, I sensed God in it, you see. Then he preached in the, the presentation when he's presenting the work here, getting ready to start the ministry here. And it, it was a great blessing to hear that. And uh, I sat on his ordination council down there the day we ordained him. And I listened to him. And he was right on target. He's from a good background. He's got a dad's preacher. He's from a good background. And uh, so God's going to do a good work here. And I, I commend you on what's happened thus far. And be assured of one thing. You're in our prayers up here. And uh, we are just delighted to have a part in this ministry. I want you to know that tonight. But folks, uh, let's stand firm on the King James Bible. There's so much trash out there that are a perversion of God's truth. Let God be true and every man a liar, the Bible says. This King James Bible is the foundation of what we stand for, what we believe, and what we're going to accomplish in the purpose of God as we stay true to this book. And may God help us to do that. It's been an honor to be here. I thank you for the privilege of coming. I wanted to share these few thoughts with you. I was reading them the other night. I thought, well, I'll share them to them up there. But it's a delight. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father... We thank you for this church you've raised up in this place. A great, needy part of this country, dear Father. Homes everywhere. Sinners everywhere. Great need. Bless Brandon and his wife and his family. And dear God, keep him in good health. Meet their needs, I pray. And keep his heart fresh and hot for Christ. And I pray for these dear people that have rallied around him. Ken folks, friends, 
And Lord, I pray that you'd help them to stand strong and firm and cooperative under his ministry. And I pray that you do great things in this place. God, give them souls for their labor of love. Honor their labor of getting out the gospel and soul winning and knocking on doors and trying to reach people for Christ. God, bless this ministry. Keep your good hand upon it and use it for your honor and your glory. May they establish a real testimony, a solid rock testimony in this area for Jesus Christ. We commend him for your loving favor. Thank you for your goodness tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box 126-541, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17112. And visit our website at www.svbcpa.org. Until next time.